Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 226 of Korean Podcast. Our guest is Mr. Jibril C. He's an illustrator and concept artist from Paris, France. And of course, before we go into the questions, let me quickly mention that in the four contact section of the captions, you can find the links to all his socials, like for commissions, prints, Gumbro, Twitter, you name it. Everything is there. And with that out of the way, let's jump into the first question where I ask you, that I ask everyone basically. Give us a little introduction on how we got, in, got into the world of visual arts and design. Basically, tell us your origin story if you know how you became an artist. Mm, sure, sure. Uh, it's actually a story I like to tell because it's very uh, typical. So basically, um, I wasn't always into uh, art and design. Well, I, you know, everybody as a kid always used to, you know, draw here and there from watching anime and stuff. Uh, me specifically, I got a lot of interest from playing video games. Especially I would play, you know, like adventure games, you know, games that delve into like fantasy and themes like that. But I never really, it was never like really like a natural hobby until like a few years after when I started university, uh, where I studied, uh, I mean, my degree is in computer science, uh, software engineering, actually. And uh, I was basically looking for a pastime and I was trying many different things, video games. I was trying to, you know, like computer music. I was trying many different things and basically um one day as i was you know just strolling around the city i came across an art shop like an art supplies shop and i just entered it just just why not i was just you know i was just walking to the city and yeah it was great like i, I loved the atmosphere of the shop it was very big had a lot of different art supplies i've never seen before so i just bought a bunch of them like an actual bag full of like sketches, different types of crayons, erasers and all that stuff. And yeah, I just started drawing uh, every time when I was coming home from uni and experimenting with stuff. Uh, at this, around the same time, I also started playing a game that many people that listening to this are probably familiar with, which is League of Legends. And um, it also uh, it participated in fueling, you know, this interest in trying to draw things, trying to understand how you can come to paint something that looks like what I see on League and other games. So that was my introduction to this as a hobby. What introduced it to me as work, as freelance, which is what I do now, is basically COVID-19. Like for many people, it was kind of a break into the routine of life and work and all that stuff. And it gave me time to explore this um, this hobby more. And actually by that time, I had been drawing for some time now, I was getting a little bit of attention for commissions and stuff like that. So I started doing it uh, as a freelance uh, for a few months or about six months and, and tried the whole nine. So I did Upwork, uh, met some people there. Uh, we came off of Upwork and I started becoming recurring clients. And this is kind of where I started taking it more seriously. Started trying to network with other artists and trying to learn how to actually do this to like a professional level. All right. And um, now speaking of, you know, doing this on a professional level, I was wondering, uh, what is your main branch of design that you're focusing on right now? And tell us about your experience from the start of it until now. Well, now, sure. So right now, my main experience when it comes to professional work is actually storyboarding, which is not what you might see on my portfolio. I haven't actually done much concept art professionally. I've done concept art as a freelancer. But I would say there's probably a little bit of a difference there. Um, it's not the same workflow or the same subjects that you would see. Uh, I did do a little bit of concept art for a game that's unreleased right now. And I work with a few indie studios. 
But as far as my main experience is actually storyboarding. Uh, I started storyboarding on Upwork where I got contacted by a few studios. And um, as I was working more and more with them, they gave me more work. Eventually I was onboarded with their team. And my role was a little bit of a generalist where my main task would be to storyboard, but I would also be asked to do illustrations maybe for assets for a 3D cinematic or assets for, you know, like promotional art and things like that. So as of right now, I'm some kind of a generalist, not like completely a concept artist or completely an illustrator or completely a storyboarder. But my main experience, if today I was to apply for a position and I had to show what my main body of work is, it would actually be storyboarding. All right. And um, now here's here's an interesting uh, question. How does your design process usually go anytime you want to start working on a new project, like basically, or, or new piece, like basically? What does the structure of your pipeline look like, if you could describe it? A pipeline? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, I think when it comes to anything that is concept art and illustration, and even storyboard to an extent, the first... And most important, in my opinion, part is actually to get inspiration and the references. So this is a step where I actually spend quite a lot of time on. Um, usually what I do is uh, I basically have this database. It's not really a database, but basically this huge file um, of references from different movies I've seen, different shows, different books. Uh, and usually there's like some kind of concept or aesthetic in one of those films that it's to me, is like a source of inspiration. So this is always where I start, right? Start to, uh, basically, you could compare this to, like, if you wanted to, you know, like, write a paper, you would start with maybe, like, defining your subject and defining your terms. This is kind of the point I do in my design process is that I define the aesthetic that I want to to produce. And I try to look for references of people that do that aesthetic very well to give me a direction as to how I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And it leads me to the second part, which is to actually start putting ideas on paper. And my priority in terms of what kind of uh, things I look into those ideas is, for example, if I'm making a character, it's going to be something like overall aesthetic, then shapes. And then once, I'm, once I've done that, it's going to be stuff like materials, colors, and you know things like that. That would be my breakdown. And for illustration, uh, it's a little bit different for illustration, but usually one of the things that I really like to define once I have my references is the narrative. What am I trying to basically sell in this image? What is the story that's going on in this illustration? And then how can I present that using you know stuff like perspective and lighting? And again, for the order in which I do things, it's going to be perspective, then it's going to be the composition, or actually composition perspective, and then it's going to be lighting kind of fighting and stuff that's usually how i go about things all right and what's what was the first paycheck you got out of ours you know what was it for was it just from upwork or was it something else like what basically the first money you made out of arts first money i made out of art all right so first well i like to make a difference between like money and real money right you know like first first actual money i think it was five bucks for an instagram commission and I thought at the time it was great. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know I could make five bucks from you know drawing something. Um, it was back when it was, it was like 2018. But basically, I was on Instagram, but I just treated it as like an online archive. Whenever I drew something, I would just put it on there just because why not? And eventually, I started getting DMs, people wanting to pay me to do things for them. 
and uh, yeah, the first thing I ever paid for was about five bucks for uh, for like a drawing, like a random portrait, I think. My first actual contract, I would say, where I got paid uh, like a significant, well, significant by European standards um, amount of money, I would say, is um, uh, it was definitely on Upwork. Uh, it was a big storyboarding project. So basically, this animation studio was looking to make like a league cinematic, right? Like a league fan art cinematic, kind of like as a portfolio for their studio. So it's not official right games work, but it's a studio, independent studio, that wants to make a cinematic uh, featuring the characters of League of Legends to basically uh, make an ad for their studio and their, you know, their brain of work. And what they needed from people on Upwork was someone that could boost, that could storyboard their script for them so that they can then animate it. And I applied to that job. And it's actually very funny because at the time, I had in my portfolio illustration only. I had no concept art, no storyboarding, just illustration. And I applied to them with no storyboarding examples, no portfolio. And I was just like, um, just let me let me try my hand at this. Like, give me a chance at this, and I'm pretty sure I can make like great work. Like, I think I have the visual library and the understanding, basic understanding of what a storyboard is, to be able to do to do this for you. And they were actually convinced. I was very surprised, but that convinced them, and they let me work on it. And we worked on this storyboard for two or three months. And by the end, I think I was paid something around one thousand and five hundred euros, if I'm not mistaken, something around that that realm, that area. And uh, yeah, that was my first experience with storyboarding, and it actually was the foundation for me to then use that storyboard I made for them and present it any other time that I wanted to get a storyboarding gig and present it. Yeah, I did this, I was paid this, this is what it looks like now, and yeah, this is how it started. All right, awesome. So I think that's a really good lesson you people can you know get from this is to just even if you're not qualified necessarily on paper for a job, just any, but if you know you can get yourself to a level that you can do it, just apply. Because the craziest thing is most people don't you know apply to the jobs that they have a resume for, let alone things yeah. that, you know, that's kind of crazy, you know? Yeah, sure. And, um, Funny enough, I feel like sometimes, well, maybe just me, but I feel like you have the most audacity and guts when you're actually, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, I feel like today I've learned so much more history birding that, I'm like that was actually pretty silly of me to think I could you know carry this project, but it's you know it's like when you don't know what you don't know, you're actually more brave and you're actually like more willing to you know like, try things like that. Yeah, funny how that works. How long did it take to uh, from start to finish to finish that project? How long did it take roughly? Uh, I think it took like two almost three months. There was a lot of panels to make. Fortunately for me, uh, the storyboards they were looking for were not necessarily um, very complex. I think that's also part of why they wanted to give me a chance for this. There was also, they were also not really like really looking for a specific style, so that was also one less barrier for me, uh, for me to get that job. But uh, they were looking for a lot of scenes and a lot of you know like angles. Oh, can you do this the other way? Can you change the lighting on this? So overall, it took about two or three months for I forgot how many panels, but well over a hundred. All right, awesome man. And but I mean, it was kind of you know insane because I, as you said, I didn't see any storyboard examples on your portfolio. I mean, you should. I think you should upload some. If you I should, yeah, NDA. I actually should. Yeah, this is this is one of the issues of NDA is that pretty much all the storyboard, pretty much all all the storyboarding work I've done is NDA. 
usually when I use to when I use it to apply to something else, I actually ask the other employer if I can just use a sample from this and send it to another person for this like specific gig. But uh, I haven't been able yet to actually put it in my portfolio, which is also it comes also in in um, in uh, in play with something else, which is that although my main experience is storyboarding, I'm trying to move more into concept art. This is why my if you've seen if you saw my portfolio from like maybe like a year ago, it yeah. was way more diverse and way more general. You would see illustrations, you would see some storyboarding, you would see concept art, you would see a lot of things. Lately, I've pretty much stripped all anything that's not relevant to what I want to gear my portfolio towards to only leave a little bit of illustration and a little bit of concept art. And that's what I'm going to do moving forward. Awesome, man. And speaking of, you know, concept art and, you know, everything we talked about, um, I want to say to you that I'm really sorry that you had to start playing League of Legends. Like, I know that it's such a tragedy. I mean, like, we all, it's a tragedy in everyone's life who comes upon this game and basically lose, <laughs> yeah. lose a part of their soul in the process, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, speaking of that, when did you start playing? I started playing in season one. However, wow, uh, I was not actually not season one. Not wait, not that's not correct. Season end of season two, early season three. However, I wasn't a very consistent player. I didn't like it that much. I would play basically when my friends wanted to play, and I would play maybe a couple of games a week. I started really playing it consistently. I would say around season five, and I stopped playing around season eight. So. It didn't take too yeah. much of, uh, too much away from my life. And hopefully you're still not playing. Yeah, I, I think I'm good. I've had my dose of League of Legends. <laughs> yeah. still, still love the IP, but the game is just too way too much time consuming nowadays. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying all this as a joke. I mean, it's a good game, but if you have a team full of friends, that's it. Solo queue, <clears> no, just don't. Go play yeah, Minecraft yeah. or something. Minecraft is a okay, great game. Yeah. Maybe not the so best use of your time. Yeah, true. Yeah, and yeah. but the art is amazing. Like I've seen, like your Children of Zon piece. I think on your art session it was really good. On your mm-hmm. was as well. Oh, thank you. And uh, and yeah, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, in that sort of universe. Because now with Riot Force, there's a lot of indie games being developed, you know, within the universe of League. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean the future looks fun. There's Project L coming, the fighting game, right? Riot and yeah. Oh, who who used to, who did you use to main in League? Who are your mains? Who are my mains? All right, so um, I've had a lot of mains to be honest. Uh, I don't know if I have one really one main guy that I really like more than everyone else. But when I first started League, obviously my main was that because how can you not main that? He's just so cool, right? Because um, Ultimate really just sold me, and also it just happened to be that I started League around the time where Faker did that famous play where he had like had one HP left, and he actually outplay someone. I was like, dude, if a champion can do this, this is a champion I want to main. So uh, started with that. Obviously, I sucked terribly, and um, I started playing more ADC, and uh, I wanted to play an ADC. I was like nervous. That was like you know like sweaty. You know. I, I don't know like the, the correct term for this, but basically, you know, like um, high intensity type of ADC. Yeah, it's called tryhard, I think. Yeah, because I have the same type of ADC as well. <laughs> yeah, right. Basically, you want to be always on your tiptoes, right? You don't want like a late game. Basically, I didn't want to play in late game ADC. I wanted to be powerful right at the start. So I started playing Lucian a lot. 
and then towards the end of my league career, I was playing uh, Draven. Yeah, Draven was the one I was actually actually had the most success with. All right, awesome. Yeah, what about and... you? Though? Did you? Because uh, you sound like you you played a fair bit of Vayne. I, I don't know. If, you, you you strike me as a Vayne player for some reason. No, no, Vayne is actually no, not not honestly. Oh, okay. Uh, so I I play something worse actually. Um, <laughs> right. I, like I have a lot of mains as well, but my mains in ADC are Tristana and Ziggs. Mm-hmm. And on top, I I usually play top or you know just uh, ADC. On top, mm-hmm. my my biggest main in the whole game is Nessus, and the other one, mm-hmm. which is a star contrast to Nessus, is Timo. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I said something worse anyway, and yeah, Timo is worse. Interesting. Yeah, Tristana, Tristana is definitely a solid one. It's actually my highest, second highest win rate. Also, I don't play her that much. But yeah, she's a very solid ADC. Very scary to yeah, play because, against Tristano. Yeah, because our W is literally one of the... It's really similar to one of the abilities from Techies, a character from Dota 2, which was my main in Dota 2. Mm, and they're kind of the same. And that's what really sold me on Tristano first. Or, or I was like, hmm, it has bombs like Techies. It does jump like Techies. Okay, I'm going to main Tristano. And the reason <laughs> yeah. I play Six is the same as well, because bombs, I don't know, for some reason, I... In every single game that now that I think about it, I really love bomb characters like Raze in Valorant, Junkrat in Overwatch. Right. What's with me? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are fun characters. There's yeah. something satisfying about the you know the bouncing mechanic, like just oh you just exactly. love something. It's just yeah, I see I see what you mean. I see I see the appeal of like bomb characters. Yeah. And the next thing I'm gonna mention is or ask you is who are some of your favorite artists and designers that have inspired you the most? Oh man! Oh, the list is very long. Um, also, I'm bad with names, but if I could, you know, like pick a few, I would say one artist which I really like. I really like his rendering and his like his use of composition is uh, Ming Shen. Shen, I think that's what his name is. Um, he's uh he used to be at Riot. Nowadays, I think he's at West Studios. But uh, I think his art is really great. I really like um his like personal characters, his series he had with the Goblin and stuff, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, he's definitely one of my faves. Uh, who else? There is this uh, Chinese illustrator. Uh, his name is kind of like escaping me right now. Maybe I can find it. Mars Station Likes, it's probably not very far down. But um, he's also a former League illustrator. I think he's a freelancer, actually. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of names that just uh, just forget right now. But uh, I absolutely look up to when it comes to uh, their ability to you know like render. Fairly enough, I don't know why I'm talking about rendering when I'm supposed to be considered artist. But uh, rendering is just uh, it's just something that is like really like interesting me right now. It's something I really want to understand. Um, when it comes to design ability, like pure design ability. There's this um, concept artist, which again I'm forgetting the name of, but uh, let me just quickly check. Uh, I think his uh, I think his name is John something, something like that. But uh, he's really good at making knight characters. He's really good at that, and I really like the way he uh, he makes and matches things that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in a knight design. Um, Marco Drujevic, not sure if I say his name correctly, I probably butchered it actually, but um, he's a founder of a studio called Six More Vodka, 
and uh, it's also like a great artist, great rendering, great composition, great anatomy. And what I look up most uh, in Marco is actually his kind of the way he came into the art industry. Um, I find like, found that very relatable, you know, the way he basically, uh, he had this vision and he just went ahead and fulfilled it, right? And um, it's always very inspirational to see people just go after their dreams and basically not give up, you know, regardless of how tough it can be in the beginning. All right. And let's see, what are you working on right now that you can tell us about? What kind of project is it? I mean, of course, there's always NDAs involved, but if that's not the case, what are you doing right now? So right now I'm working on uh, yet another storyboarding project. Uh, unfortunately, I can't give you too much details around it, but uh, it's basically going to be for a studio that's actually doing animation. Is they're doing it? Japanese style animation, like Eastern animation, which is a big challenge for me because I'm not an animator. I don't have an animator background. Thankfully, uh, they have animators and what they need from me is just uh, a guiding light for the animators, right? They need someone to lay out the scenes. Uh, it's very interesting because it's pushing me into different ways to uh, different camera angles, different views of proportions for shortening things like that, that I don't necessarily do much in my uh, other field of work. So that's definitely something that I'm uh, working on. Uh, another thing, another project that I'm working on that people might not necessarily expect me is a game where I'm making backgrounds for them. Yet another thing that's not in my portfolio, but I'm actually making backgrounds for an indie game called uh, Baron. Uh, and what they need from me is keyframes. So basically keyframes are these large paintings, right? that are meant to sell the mood of a specific area in the game. So for example, uh, one of the scenes, okay, and I can talk about this. I can't show it, but I can talk about it. As, uh, it's kind of like this apocalyptic world. And one of the scenes I had to paint for a keyframe was the epicenter of wherever the catastrophe that happens were, right? And the purpose of that is to basically have this visual brick that you can lay down and you can take this and say okay let's expand on this is this the correct mood is this this correct like is this does it match what we what we want to make for a game as a universe and if it matches then you can take this give it to a concept artist and have it expand on this base right so this is one of the projects i have in the background right now it's not on my station yet really hopefully hopefully it's going to come out of nda in less than a year if i remember correctly and I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting for people to see uh, this background work that I've been doing. And as far as character concept art, I'm actually working on my own IP, uh, which is it's not ready yet to hit the art station. But um, I'm working on a roster of characters. Lately, I've done the art station challenge. Uh, it's, it's one of my latest posts. And uh, to kind of like keep the keep the ball rolling, I'm trying to design my own roster, which is uh, an IP I've been thinking about for years now. And I'm just now pulling the trigger since now I feel like I'm starting to have enough knowledge to actually execute it to a way where to a level where I think I would be satisfied with it. Yeah, I think that your profile picture is the main character, right? The guy, the boy with the red uh, arm thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's actually a girl. Uh, oh, no, sorry. No, no worries. People always, you know, think it's a guy, which is understandable because she doesn't really have any uh, obvious womanly features. Um, which, which was like, it was a little bit intentional on my part. I wanted to kind of uh, 
keep it a little bit ambiguous and we still have these tough characters. And I didn't want to make her too obviously female in a way where it would uh, hurt the design. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And um, all right. Now, we talked about a lot of art stuff, you know, by now. And what area, what area beside the area you're working on right now, which is, of course, in the realms of art and design and background and stuff like that, would you would you like to explore and learn in the future? Like any non-art related stuff or hobbies you might have? Wait, sorry, could you repeat that? I didn't hear the end of your sentence. Um, like any non-art related hobbies or ambitions that you might have in, that you want to pursue or you have, you know, anything non-art related going on? Not art related? Okay, so so one thing uh, that I'm really passionate about is fighting games. And uh, one of the projects that I've always had, even before I started my studies, you know, in software engineering, or before I started art, was to kind of like develop my own fighting game or work in a fighting game. And this is kind of like a side project I've been, you know, like doing, I'm building up on the, the background. And uh, I'm learning a lot as far as game design, and as far as how to like, operate, you know, like engines. Because the first time I did it, I actually did a small prototype, which you could find if you dig, if you find my real name and you find my GitHub, you could find this like small prototype I did. But um, I did this first prototype. It gave me a taste of what would be needed to actually make this an actual like full-fledged project that's playable, right? And now I'm in the process of learning, you know, the tools to put this to like a production level. So I'm, I'm starting to look into C-sharp and things like that. So that's one of the uh, biggest like non-art related uh, projects I have going on. Also, I would love to make the art. Realistically, it's probably not going to be me making the art because we just take too much time, right? Can do the coding and the art, right? It take decades. But um, yeah, it's one of the projects I have in the background. All right, and well. Last but not least, we've reached the final question of the podcast, which is called the time capsule. And all right, let me explain actually what it means. Mm. Um, imagine a scenario where you only had a few minutes of time available, and in that few minutes, you have the chance to record anything that that's on your mind. And these are going to be your last words you're ever going to save, and they're going to stay forever. So anyone in the future can listen to it. So what in that? situation what just what would you say from yourself a human to another human being that might listen to it in the future or this podcast when this case episode gets uploaded mm. all right that's a that's a great question uh well i think one safe piece of advice i can say that's going to be probably that's going to still work in 100 years and 200 years or in 80 part of the world is to basically it might sound very cliche but um you know, as I said, you know, and at first, at one time in my life, I was just looking for hobbies, right? I was looking, okay, I'm just testing what sticks, right? I think what advice I would give to basically anyone is to kind of like experience, uh, go out there and experience different things, experience as many things as you can, and try to kind of like find your passion and find, if not a passion, something that kind of like intrigues you, something that you can spend, spend time into, Hopefully something productive, so not League of Legends, but um, unless you want to go pro, right? But um, basically something that can be a vessel for you to be to wake up in the morning and feel like you're motivated to understand something deeper and to learn, right? I think it's very important. Everyone should have something they want to learn and want to get really good at and really, you know, like deep into. All 
All right. Sorry, I was just typing those stuff quickly, you know, because usually <laughs> during the podcast, I always write this stuff, you know, as, as we go. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you check the Instagram page of the podcast, like the third post of every guest is their answer to this question. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, it just makes my life a bit easier if I just type on Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, thank you so much for coming by. By the way, to anyone who's listening in the Gumroad link, you can find free Procreate brushes if you're interested. If you're seeing the style of illustration that we're, you're seeing up here on YouTube, you can you know go check out the Procreate brushes there. And just wanted to mention that as well. Mm-hmm. And again, thank you so much for coming by and taking your time. For of course, man. Thanks episode. for inviting me. My pleasure, man. And thank you to anyone who tuned in and listened to this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. As always, leave leave a comment down below if you had any suggestions or comments or critiques. And just a second, I need to sneeze. Oof. That's your better. <laughs> Thanks. And yeah, basically send me a message if you need any comments or suggestions or critiques. And also you can contact him on Twitter and Instagram as well. And the links are down in the description below. And with that being said, take care, everyone, and stay safe. Bye-bye. Right, yes. See ya.